Welcome back to Freudian Sips. The only problem with starting a second episode yes. is we've already had all the wine. I know. We're, like we're starting Oh, full yeah. We're, uh, we're in it. We're in it. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. But yes, this is our first two-episode topic that's kind of exciting. To me, it's exciting. It's exciting. To me, it's scary. Really? I'm the one that's editing. You shouldn't be scared. I should be scared because you're the one editing. That's true. That's true. So we have been talking about dreams. If you're just joining us for episode eight, I suppose, go back and listen to episode seven because that's when we started talking about dreams. We recorded yes. that in the same day. Seriously, don't listen to eight yeah, till really. you listen to seven or yeah, we'll not make any continued. sense. Yeah, we're going to be definitely referencing things that we've talked about in the same day for us in a week earlier for you. Right. So so please listen to episode seven if you're listening to episode eight. And also if you're listening to episode eight, just listen to episodes one through six too. Just, you know, just as a, as a quick idea. <laughs> exactly what she just said. It's a quick idea. So before we started recording, I was reading mom some, uh, we got a little bit deep and we needed to refocus. So I was reading mom some entries from a dream journal i tried to take one time mm-hmm. i've actually tried this a couple times and i do find that it works like for me personally i do find that when i start recording my dreams i start remembering them much better so these dream journals are pretty pretty chock full of stuff so i have a couple entries that are very good one of them is four twenty eight thirteen. getting wow. into heaven something is wrong rebel Discover a group is trying to take over heaven. Fight back. (laughs) Get key to elevator to take us to top floor. Flo the progressive girl is the leader of the group. (laughs) The devil shows up as a teenage girl. I vanquish the devil by blessing a martini. (laughs) That's how a martini fits in there, but okay. It's very on brand for us. It is. Devil, you, martini, me. (laughs) Yes. Very on brand. I also have one that's uh, 42613. So yeah, again, this was two days earlier. So like, I mean, I was remembering my dreams well enough to record them every night or every other night. So right. personal note, dream journals work. 42613, meeting Nathan's family with a hat on. Oh no, because car broke down in front of his house. Get along with his brothers. Mom is too polite to me, doesn't like me. Ooh. And then I just have, in all caps, chicken jackals. <laughs> what? I don't know what that means. What is that? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Chicken jackals? Uh, Quick, yes. look <laughs> look up in your dream interpretation. Chicken jackals. I'm pretty sure that's how they're there. <laughs> she reached for the book I like it was actually going to be I in there. I was going to do it. <laughs> Chickens are probably in there. Chicken jackals. I doubt the jackals are in there, however. <laughs> 
Should we start with that too? Do you want to read some more interpretation? Do we need to like um, say hi? I'm Bonnie. Oh sure. Hi, I'm Anna. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Ferdinand Sips. And this is indeed episode eight, but it's actually part two of our episode about dreams. Right. We are continuing from what we talked about last week. We are continuing on our themes of the historical context of dreams, the psychological context of dreams. That's where we're kind of jumping in today, that if you haven't listened to episode seven, if you're going entirely against all we're saying and refusing to listen to episode seven. <laughs> if you are a rebel. Well, we, well, if you're chaotic good like me and you're not following directions, then we were talking at the end of episode seven about famous historical psychologists and what they thought about dreams. So we started with Sigmund Freud we talked about how he believed dreams were sexual in nature and wish fulfillment and the content that is both manifest and latent and everything like that. And then we talked a little bit about Carl Jung and what he thought about dreams as well, which is basically like coded messages from our brains and from possibly outside spiritual sources about what we should do in life. And there's actually a good segue because Anna started this episode with kind of recalling some of her dream journal. And so we'll segue with the idea that Carl Jung um, published his own personal dream journal. Really? Which was known as Red Book. Not the magazine that my (laughs) mom used to read when I was a kid. But it says Jung's dream journal um, was published for the first time in limited numbers. And it was known as Red Book. It was the journal that Jung kept during his encounter with the unconscious during World War I. Uh, during that time, and I did not know this before I did this research, he kind of, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, he holed up in his studio and purposefully went crazy for a little while. Purposefully? That's, that's what it says in my reading here. Man, if I had the time. Like, I know. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> He, I do that unpurposefully every yeah, day. We, unintentionally. <laughs> he claimed later that all of the seeds for his major ideas were presented in the Red Book. Why did he call it the Red Book? Do you know? I don't know. It's full of ornate drawings and calligraphy. Huh. And the book was kind of looked at to give us a whole new view on what Young thought about what he you know it, we've talked about how young was very spiritual mm-hmm. and how he believed that dreams are very spiritual so it's kind of connected in that his autobiography is actually called dreams myths and reflections so this is really interesting to me so as you can hear in episode four if you choose to listen to that one that is the carl young episode he found freud and started a mentorship relationship with sigmund freud because of freud's book interpretation of dreams so i wonder if it's just he's really into dreams because that's how he kind of got into the into the psychology thing hmm. that's a good question anna gosh you have good questions me and carl i want to know, know about him you know, the whole idea, kind of, we're going to kind of sew this together by pulling what we talked about in the last episode are about young. Are we going to sew it I'm, together? I'm trying, <laughs> Anna. Are we, are we going to do that? Anna. <sighs> I'm so sorry. I'm trying to be anal here <laughs> and sew it all together. Remember we talked about the whole collective conscious thing with Young. And I don't know that we talked about that in the last episode, that that's kind of part of the whole dream thing. That when we talked about the collective conscious that we're all connected in this I don't know what other word to use. Whoa, you can buy, I'm sorry, you can buy the Red Book by 
Carl Young for yes. $170 on Amazon. Holy cow, that's expensive, but okay. Yeah, it's well, worth it. Like you said, he stopped he stopped producing it. Right, it was a this limited This is listed number. as a first edition. Ooh. I'm, that would be a good listen, birthday present for I'm me, I'm a Anna. few glasses in, <laughs> and I'm looking at the add to cart button, and it looks real nice. I'm just saying, your mama deserves some nice gifts. <laughs> Because she loved you much through the years. So, hey, I will share it with you. I want to kind of add a weird, like, footnote to Young before we go on to Gestalt, because I know that's our next topic. Right. You know, Young was all into this spiritualish stuff that was very important to him. He actually believed in telepathy. Did you know that? It didn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise He's me. He's very out there. Here's a quote from him. Quote, I would not assert the law behind them, telepathy, is supernatural, but merely something we cannot get at with our present knowledge, end of quote. That was in 1974. So it's kind of this idea that, well, yeah, we all have the gift. (laughs) Duh, of course we're telepathic, (laughs) obviously. We all have the gift of telepathy, but we just haven't gotten there yet, which I I kind of like that idea. I do too. That we have yeah. so much brain that we don't even know how <laughs> to use. that stupid, <laughs> stupid, like we only use 10% of our brain right. thing. That's exactly. dumb. That's not true. If you're listening to our podcast, that's <laughs> not true. It's dumb. Are you sure? Yes. It's like saying that, that stoplights are only using 33% of their power if they're on green. It's dumb. <laughs> Dumb. That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> You're right. That, that You're is right. a whole nother episode. I'm sorry. Right now we're talking about I got dreams. Distracted. And blacked Come out for on. a second. Come back to me. Hello. Okay. <laughs> so we ended the last episode with talking about young. And so that mm-hmm. that was quote, sewing it up. We just sewed up that to focus us on today and we are going to continue to talk about dreams because it is amazing Mm -hmm. we have this weird thing happening right now that's never happened in any previous episode i need to make note of this (laughs) okay in previous episodes we have started at a certain level of alcohol (laughs) (laughs) that's where you're going with this okay that's where i'm going with this and we mom had, had such a serious look on her face and she's going at that to perhaps three or four alcoholic beverages we're a little we're at three or four alcohol and so now we are starting this episode usually this is we're like at zero alcohol experiment. now we're at four alcohol right so this episode could be interesting <laughs> it's gonna be interesting will- for sober anna trying to edit it for when sure sober anna listens to this she's gonna think holy crap sorry editing, what anna have i created? hi Hi. So we are talking about dreams. We are shifting. We talked about Freud. We talked about Jung. Yep. Jung. Yarp. We are shifting to Gestalt, which is deep doo-doo. Buddy! And this is Anna's deep doo-doo. <laughs> because I'm going to take somebody way easier than this is fun. Gestalt. I'm not actually going to go too deep in Gestalt. So Gestalt, okay. Gestalt is one of the weirdest therapy methods that I love. Uh, Gestalt means whole person and we might actually do it an episode on gestalt therapy just because it's very fun we There's absolutely a very will lot. do a gestalt episode okay cool, cool, cool. Just so i'm not gonna go too reference. far into this so uh fritz pearls is one of the the founders of gestalt therapy and gestalt therapy is about looking at things holistically looking at like the whole person and the way they view dreams so like 
when we're talking about psychology, when we're talking, our focus is counseling. And we're talking about counseling and dreams. We talked a little bit in the last episode about how we personally kind of address dreams if it comes up in counseling. But gestalt therapy, dreams is one of the things they focus on specifically as a counseling tool, as a thing that they specifically bring up in counseling to process through issues. Very significant. Yeah, it's huge. So one of the things they say is that everything in a dream is a projection of a part of the self. And I'd like to try something very weird with us now that we're a few glasses in. (laughs) I want you to be a client and I'm going to be a gestalt counselor. Okay. Hello, Bonnie. Hi, therapist. (laughs) Hi. You're right. I don't tell my clients my name. It's too personal. (laughs) Hello. Hello, mystery therapist. Can you tell me? I have the hiccups. Sorry. I've had a few glasses of wine. Can you? Sorry. Can you tell me the last dream you had? Mm. Out of character. Just make something up. I'll make something up. Okay. I had a dream that I was in a classroom and the teacher, I didn't want the teacher to call on me, but the teacher called on me, and I didn't know the answer. Okay. Were you sitting at a desk? I was, and it was a little wooden desk. A little wooden desk. I want you to imagine that you're the desk. Ah! What are you feeling as you're the desk in this dream? I'm feeling so... Stiff and <laughs> sturdy. I feel sturdy because it's very wooden and then very it's structured. Wooden. Do you have books inside of you? Yes. How and does it feel to have books inside of you? <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> My therapist. Good. Use the uncomfortableness. Use it. Use it. Talk about the books inside of you. The books inside of me make me feel wise. <laughs> And knowledgeable. That's very good. What in your life is making you feel wise and sturdy? <laughs> is this really this how is how the stall therapist down? Go with it. What in your life makes you feel wise and sturdy? <laughs> I am intelligent <laughs> because I have been to school many years. And I've had much life experience. And you are sturdy. And I am definitely (laughs) sturdy. (laughs) So, okay, that sounded weird. But that is kind of how just all therapists think of dreams. Like we, even in our grad school studies, we learned about just all therapy and how one of the things, what's in my mind is be the canoe. Was The canoe. The canoe. That's what comes to mind for me too. There was a canoe dream. So there's definitely, I mean, like, I know that sounded ridiculous what we were just doing, but that is how, like, if you're a gestalt therapist, that is how you're going to approach dreams in your therapy. It's very weird. Every single image, every Every object, everything has a meaning. And Mm -hmm. if you, like, put yourself in the meaning of that object or, or thing, then it's going to reveal a hidden part of something that you need to work through in your life. Mm. It's bonkers. I love it. It's bonkers and I love it. Okay. Okay, now that I made us do a a, a, a gestalt improv scene. (laughs) 
I'm so worried about the desk. I'm worried. Oh, that's deep. Deep for you, huh? Concerned about the desk. Sturdy, sturdy and wise. I am sturdy, though. You are sturdy. I feel very sturdy, sturdy as a person. Okay, what do you have to talk about? Uh, uh, can- candy there Hall. There are. S- <laughs> There are many theorists. As we talked about in the last episode, overall, scientists basically agree that they don't know. Yeah, this is. I don't yeah, know. we uh, don't know. we have know? a lot of theories about on why dreams happen, uh-huh. and the main prevailing uh-huh. theory is oh. So <clears throat> there was this wonderful researcher named Calvin Hall. He lived from 1909 to 1985, which is hey, pretty recent. Yeah, pretty recent. Yeah, he was actually a behavioral psychologist, which is kind of out of the the realm where we are right now because right. we've been talking about the the unconscious, the subconscious, the we spiritual. We are going fairly chronologically when it comes to psychologists and mm-hmm. the building up of what we believe about psychology theory. So we are not nearly there yet, right? But. So technically speaking, his work started before the discovery of REM sleep. Mm -hmm. So that adds a whole new dimension. The idea of REM sleep adds a whole new dimension onto this discussion of dream. Right. So you got to remember that Calvin, may I call him Calvin? You call everyone by their first name. I do. That's because I want to make people feel comfortable. So. (laughs) Okay. So little was known about the whole biology of sleep and dreams. Even though it's relatively recent, we're still pretty new it's about still the recent. whole. I mean, yeah. We're still doing research on it. Right. I mean, Even right now, yeah. we yeah. still are saying, oh. Right now, you could be in a sleep study. Wake moment. up. We just want you to wake up. Please, please, this is a message. Wake Pinch up. Pinch yourself. Pinch, Pinch yourself. yourself. Wake up. Inception. Inception. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So he actually, though, drew worldwide attention. Like, people everywhere were like, whoa, dude, we're talking about <laughs> this. Can you tell that the whole mood of this episode well, this is, is a different? This is episode about dreams. This episode is going to go down as the wackiest. I'm going to need to pee real real soon. Do I- <laughs> I'm going to pause Do you want right to take here. a pause? Okay, I do. Take a pause. Okay. Hello, I'm back. Hello. Uncut. I didn't say cut. <laughs> Uncut. We were talking about your dude. Callan Hall. Uh-huh. Okay. So Callan Hall is a cognitive therapist. You know, we've talked about that there there is, I mean, there are ways that we are connected, but those of us who are more cognitive, like uh, we practice. That's interesting because you say us, like those of us, I would not qualify you in any case as a cognitive therapist. Seriously. Really. But I use a lot of cognitive behavioral techniques in my therapy. I guess. I mean, I do. Like thought stopping and. Oh, that's true. Okay. So, yeah. I guess what I'm saying, we've talked about this before, that all therapists, even when our theories are varied, very varied. Very varied. Those are spelled different. Very. Um, (laughs) We have a lot of things that we have in common. Yeah. And we share techniques and And parts of our theories. Like. We call ourselves different kinds of therapists, but even I, as I would not in any world qualify myself as a cognitive therapist, but Me yeah, I, but I use. I agree that I every once in a while I use thought stopping and like examining illogical thoughts and, and stuff self-talk, like self talk. Yeah, those kind of things. Those yeah. are big. So those are some pretty big cognitive things. But isn't it wonderful to think that ideally we it oh I just had a moment. <laughs> 
had, I just had That's a moment. Mom's, I had a deep thought. <laughs> That's mo- an epiphany Mona. moment, which would be Freudian epiphanies. The idea that we've, that all of it goes back to that, that we build on each other. So all of it is who we are today. Yeah. Ideally, that's, and Ideally. that's very Jungian yes. too, that wholeness, that, right. that thing of building yeah, on each other. Yeah, he was pretty holistic. Yes. He was pretty. Oh, this is deep stuff. <laughs> so much. So much deep okay, stuff. Okay, talk about Hall. Calvin Hall, he got worldwide attention because of his cognitive theory of dreaming, which was kind of among the first scientific theories of dream interpretation based on quantitative analysis instead of just like the whole, <laughs> you look amused. And I had my confused. tongue out because she said quantitative. I was using big words. That's it, a it is, it is word. very uniquely different than what we've been talking about with Freud and with Jung. Right. So central to Hall's cognitive theory is that dreams, I have to read this because I want you to hear exactly the way he presents it. Okay. Dreams are thoughts displayed in the mind's private theater as visual concepts. I'm going to talk about neurology in a second. That's Ah. almost exactly what the neurological standpoint is. It all comes together. So like Jung, Hall kind of dismissed the whole Freudian thing about it trying to cover <laughs> as most up. people do like dismiss like the whole Freudian thing yeah sure want to dismiss Freud yeah, they're that. like nah okay he has a classic work as we've been naming all these classic works of these great philosophers and psychologists his is called quote the meaning of dreams it was published in 1966 and in that Hall writes the images of a dream are the concrete embodiments of the dreamer's thoughts. These images give visual expression to that which is invisible, namely conceptions. End okay. of quote. So, I mean, that's kind of what several people have thought exactly. about dreams. Is exactly. that we think things or experience things throughout the day or throughout our lives, I guess, right. that are then interpreted in the dreams. And even the things that we hope for our lives, so the things that we want to happen. Right. That was one of the main theories that I saw about dreams is that it takes our past and present and uses it to think about our future, basically. Exactly, exactly. So Hall literally studied thousands of people who had dreams and like recorded their dreams and studied their dreams. And so from these thousands of examples, he had he suggested main cognitive structures that dreams reveal so he like has a little list here are you ready Mm -hmm. okay so the first one is conceptions of self in other words how we appear to ourselves the roles that we play in our own lives okay i can dig that sure makes sense second one is conception of others so the people that are in our lives both living and dead the people who are important in our lives Mm -hmm. the third one is the conceptions of the world our environment like is it a barren because like the way i look about dreams like that's naturally going to bleed into your dream because we conceptualize things i mean our dream is just our brain and our brain is just our framework so yeah the way we look at the world is just but what you just said is cognitive purely cognitive it's like Uh. what we see is what we think I got called, we think? as a bit of self-reflection, I got called cerebral a lot by one of our cognitive, or cognitive, 
our uh, our grad school professors. Mm. He he would always oh, say, remember, "Remember that? that we block that out. Mm-hmm. I block it out quite a bit." I've he, repressed that because I think of you as a great feeler and an empath. I I'm I feel like I'm a pretty empathetic person, but mm-hmm. he would say that my therapy suffered because I was too cerebral and because I was too in the mind. I think that's because you're so freaking intelligent that it comes across that way. That's my interpretation of that. I'm not so smart, so all I got is the feels. <laughs> <laughs> I got to feels, babe. Okay, so those are the three top ones. And then the fourth one is conception of, oh, this is interesting, conceptions of penalties. What? Like, and this is how they quoted it, how we view the man. So like the idea of what's allowed, what's uh, forbidden. Okay, we also learned, laws. speaking of grad school, about the person is political. And to me, the man is a very political concept that mm. like the man is just society and society's laws and society's rules. You are cerebral. Thank you. <laughs> also, shut up. Thank you. <laughs> shut up. Thank you. Shut up. And that I don't. To me, that goes into how we see the world. I don't know why we need to separate that from how we see the world. Right. I agree. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for agree. validating me because you are so right. Because <laughs> you are my baby daughter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. The last conception is about conflict, our inner discord, and how we struggle with resolving it. I can dig that. Why did we have to... Okay, that's weird. The the thing that I think is interesting about Hall is that he actually came up with the scale to analyze our dreams. The Hall Van de Castle scale. Cool name. Hoop-dee-boo-boo-dee. Hall Van de Castle. It's known as the Hall Van de Castle Scale. This quantitative system scores a dream report with 16 empirical scales. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Some scales are settings, blah, blah, blah. I'm skipping, I'm skipping. Okay. Um, But the idea is to analyze... The content? The content of our dreams. So like he, as all good cognitive therapists do, they make it very like black and white-ish. Right. You know, it's what not... were his scales? Scales? Here, <laughs> percentage of animal dreams. What? Like they have what? To... I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> animal dreams. But the idea is to get like a snapshot of your cognition within your dreams. This is very. This is weird. This is like those Charlie Brown cartoons when they go wah 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 wah. Yeah. But the idea is that this end of the spectrum is that our dreams are very cognitive. They're very like the things that happen in real life equate to these very cognitive things that we have while we're sleeping. It goes back to what we talked about in the last episode that a very powerful theory is that basically everything that we experience during the day then gets filed into our subconscious right. at night while we sleep. Right. So, yeah. But it basically, his type of theory kind of like pushes away that idea we've already talked about, about spiritual and about the idea that some of our dreams might be indeed linked to those who have already passed to oh so he goes totally the opposite totally way that there's none of that right yeah i don't know again this goes back to like what you believe as a person and what you think is important as a person that uh, ding 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 yeah i would say ding ding, ding. <laughs> thank you for your ding 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 <laughs> i appreciate that okay 
So the idea is that when you come right back to the bottom line, which we started with at the beginning of the last episode is, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We've done all this research and uh, I don't know. Is that why? So can I go into some common theories about why we dream? Please do, because I'm done. Okay, cool. I'm going to sit here and drink my wine. Do it. You go on. So basically, again, as mom said, the why we dream, the common answer is, I don't know. Like, we, oh. we just don't. There's many theories about why. There's many people rallying for many theories. None of them have come up as definitely the right one. Right. Even through a whole bunch of research, even through a whole bunch of sleep research, all of that. Like, no one has said, this is definitively why we have dreams. There's none of that. So there's no. just several theories that, to me personally, kind of all have validity in some ways that... Maybe different people have dreams for different reasons. So we're all very different. So in general, sleep has many benefits. Sleep has the benefit of moderating your weight, of helping with your concentration, with your productivity. It helps with your memory. It helps with your immune system. It's very important for mental health. Amen. This is something I have to say to clients that it's kind of, I almost have to apologize to them first for like, speaking to them like a child like it's too basic exactly like i have to be like hey sleep Mm -hmm. just get enough sleep because if we don't it's very difficult to regulate our emotions it's very difficult to regulate our depression our anxiety all of that stuff that people more generally deal with it's mm-hmm. very hard to regulate that stuff if we're not getting enough sleep. It's it's very hard to regulate our emotions without that correct amount of brain resetting time. Our immune system. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. It, it messes up everything. It's just really important that we sleep. And I read a lot that like one person said we need one hour for every two hours awake. So that's where that eight hours comes from. So that's where that every 24 hours we need eight hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah. Very few of us get that. Very few of us get that. People need more sleep than others. Some people need less sleep than others. Right. It's just a matter of knowing your body. But on, you know, on average, we do need about eight hours of sleep. This goes back to the self-awareness thing, I think, Anna, because Mm -hmm. some of us are long sleepers. (laughs) Long sleepers. It's a scientific term. No, it's not. Is it? It is. Is it? Yeah, because when you were little, I read about it. Because you were a long sleeper and your brother was a short sleeper. So some of us need more hours of <laughs> sleep. I feel like sleep. it's the opposite now. Gabe was talking about how he goes to sleep at like 10 o'clock and I, I was up until 2 o'clock in the morning right, but researching he gets up, this. He gets up at the break of dawn. So, so. When do you think I wake up? Well, I know now you have to because you go to work. But if you yes. could, if you would just let your body yeah, do what Yeah, my natural to circadian do. rhythm is a bit later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, we go back to that everybody's unique. Yeah. And some of us need more sleep than others of us. So we should never, we should never put us in that, well, nobody else does that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Nobody else does that is a dumb reason for doing oh, anything. We do that to ourselves all the time. We really don't we? do. Like, well, I just want to else... be like everyone else. There is yeah. no such thing as everyone yeah. else. Screw that idea. Yeah, man. Okay, <laughs> we got a bit deep. All right, refocus. <laughs> Benefits for sleep. Talked about them. So, again, no one really knows why we dream, but there are some very common theories. Uh-huh. So, one of them is called the threat simulation theory. Hmm. Yeah. So that basically says that we experience threatening events when we're awake. 
And these threatening events lead to threatening dreams. And that the more threatening events we experience, the more threatening dreams we have. And when we do that, it's like a training simulation on how the brain can respond to those situations and protect us. So the threat simulation theory is basically saying the threats we experience in real life translate to dreams where we train ourselves to better respond to threats. That so makes it's perfect like a sense. Giant simulation mm-hmm. room. And the next one is simulation. Again, this is related to the part of the brain. So the part of the brain that is responsible for dreaming is related to the part of the brain that's responsible for daydreaming, which are very different experiences. However, dreaming could just be a straight-up simulation of things that could happen while we're awake. And it could just be not necessarily, like, supernaturally precognitive, but we are going through things that could happen. Why are you a lot of words. Big, big, big big words. Precognitive? (laughs) It's not a big word. Precognitive. Four syllables. Four Precognitive. Syllables. Anything over three syllables is That's big. too many. <laughs> okay. But I totally agree with you. Okay. That was absolutely correct. So another theory is that we sort through difficult stuff and we gain psychological and emotional balance. Wait. Psychological. That's five syllables, mom. Holy crap. That's a big word. Too many. I know. That's a big one. But yeah, basically that we, we use our brains and this kind of relates to what i personally believe about brains and what we are going to talk about in a second about brains is that we use it to sort through the stuff that we find out in the day and that we have found out previously in our lives that's my mom's thing about the file cards yep that we talked about in the last episode my mom knew everything she she was so freaking smart she really did and she was i know i know (laughs) The most current theory is that dreams are for sorting through information. Again, filing cabinet. So Mm -hmm. please listen to episode seven. We need listeners. But (laughs) in episode seven. We're not desperate, but please listen. I'm I'm desperate. She's not desperate. (laughs) I'm very desperate. I'm too old to be desperate. (laughs) In episode seven, we talk about how, like, who I call mama, who mom calls mom. She had a theory that your dreams are like note cards that your brain has to put in filing cabinets throughout the day. Like you Mm -hmm. gather note cards throughout the day and then at the end of the day you put them in the filing cabinets of your brain. Mm -hmm. So that's actually kind of the most current theory about why dreams are the way they are. So they're for sorting through information from the day, especially to transfer things from short-term memory to long-term memory. And that is based in the hippocampus, which is in the temporal lobe. Do you remember from our last episode where the temporal... Oh, no, our sixth episode is not our last episode anymore. Mm -hmm. Where the temporal lobe is? Temporal, between your temples. Very good! A hundred points for mom! <laughs> Woo-woo! Temporal lobe, between your temples. The hippocampus is where your memory lives, basically, mm-hmm. and that is one of the most vital functions of the brain during sleep. Do you want me to go into a little bit of the sleep cycles, or do you have more to add about what I was just talking about? Please do, except I might add that one of the notes that I'm looking at right now, actually, is what you just said about the hippocampus. So I thought I was all, like, on on par like ready to talk about big brain stuff you are ready to talk about it talk about it now (laughs) according to there were some researchers named j allen hobson and robert mm, i don't know if i'll say his name right (laughs) mcclarley 
1977. Sounds right. Um, who had a theory that was called activation synthesis oh, model. I, I saw... You got that? <laughs> no, I don't have it in my notes because I saw that term and I said, that sounds too Ooh. fancy, and I skipped it. <laughs> but it does talk about the hippocampus, okay. which I'm impressed with. According to this theory, circuits in the brain become activated during your REM sleep, mm-hmm. which causes areas of your limbic system involved in your emotions and your sensations and your memories. It kicks it in, right? Right. It also includes the amygdala, which we've talked about. That's a part of the brain that gets affected when you have trauma and right. things like that. And your hippocampus, which you just so astutely referred to. <laughs> It like kicks that in, okay? So you're asleep and these parts of your brain are kicking in. Right. And so then the brain synthesizes and interprets this internal activity and it tries to find meaning in those signals. So while you're asleep, your brain is signaling things and your brain's like, oh crap, something's happening. (laughs) And so then it gives it symbols and things in your dreams that try to make it make sense. Right. So a big part of it is that... So like your brain's working the way it's working, but your conscious mind is saying, I need to put this in a form that's understandable for my squishy human body. Right. Exactly (laughs) right. And you know, you can tie that both directions. You can tie it all the way back to the Freudian stuff that our consciousness tries to make sense of everything while our subconscious has all this fancy stuff going on. Yeah. And then... All the way back to the other side, where we talk about the amygdala and the hippocampus. I just like saying those words. You just like saying the words, Because it yeah. makes me feel like I have a big degree. <laughs> like sort. you have a master's degree or something. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> wee wee. So. so. <laughs> I made a picky noise. Wee 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 all the way home. <laughs> I was thinking French. Wee wee. Oh, wee wee. (laughs) You go to the little piggy and I go to the French. (laughs) You said wee 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 all the way home. And I said wee wee, the hippocampus. I said wee wee all the way home. All the way home. (laughs) Do we have any French listeners? I'm sorry if we do. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't. together get it together we have the rest of the episode i'm only halfway through my notes halfway good grief (laughs) you are a freaking overachiever (laughs) i birthed an overachiever it took many notes okay what's next then i was gonna talk about sleep cycles but if you have more no please do because i did reference the rem right there so that would be a good segue into the sleep cycles Tell me about the sleep cycles, Anna Banana. Just tell me about the sleep cycles. Okay, so there are... It's weird to break up the sleep cycles because there's basically REM and not REM. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. there's two types of sleep, but the non-REM incorporates like three cycles in itself. Mm -hmm. So there's four or five cycles of sleep. Or there's... There's four or five stages of sleep, and then we go through that in, in different cycles. So we start with non-REM. REM is rapid eye movement, but that is a specific stage of sleep that we don't get to until later. That it starts with non-REM. Non-REM has three stages. 
The first two are more light. The third is deep. And when I say deep, it means deep sleep is the literal term for it. It's slow wave sleep or SWS. And the three stages of non-REM take about 90 minutes total. So when we're doing non-REM, okay, we're going to do a little simulation here. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. I already made you Gustav. <laughs> okay. I hope it's not as painful as Gestalt. Okay. You're going to be the frontal lobe. You remember what the frontal lobe does? Yes. What does it do? I don't know. You I just don't know. That, you lied to I me. know that you had to be 25 for it to be fully engaged. That's true. It's reason and logic and all that good stuff. Okay. Okay. You are the frontal lobe. You are finishing up a long day of processing reasonable things. <laughs> I am the hippocampus. I am where memory lives. And I come to your door and I say, knock, 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 frontal lobe. I need to talk to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have good stuff that I learned today. Great, I don't care. Look, 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 look at these short-term memories. And I hand you a big pile of stuff. And I say, look. And I make you watch a movie <laughs> of the entire things that have happened in the day at uh-huh. 10 times speed. And then I leave. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> that's the correct answer. So, yeah, the that's basically what happens in non-REM sleep is that the hippocampus takes all the short-term memories it has gathered in the entire day and dumps them onto the frontal lobe and says, deuces and leaves. That's really not very considerate it's really of the hippocampus. Not, it's very mean. Shame on you, hippocampus. I know. So in non-REM sleep, that's basically what's happening in the brain we do dream in this state but they tend to be more static dreams they tend to be more like flashes of memory dreams instead of like the alice in wonderland dreams that you were talking about right okay so they tend to be more based in reality just like clips from the day yeah kind of like news headlines yes Okay. A short a short news clipping of, of what happened during the day. Okay. This is when things like nightmares, bedwetting, sleepwalking, and night terrors happen just because it's lighter sleep and the, the way the brain's functioning, those those things are more likely to happen. Okay. So after those three stages are done, it takes about 90 minutes. About 90 minutes into sleep, we go into REM stage, which is rapid eye movement. And the first time we go into REM stage, it lasts about 10 minutes. But then every time we start the cycle over, when we reach REM stage, it lasts a little bit longer. So every time we cycle through sleep, the REM stage is longer when we go through the night of sleeping. Mm. And each cycle, our deep sleep gets shorter in favor of our REM stage getting longer. Mm -hmm. So during the REM stage, the hippocampus shuts down. (laughs) It's like, bye. (laughs) Bye. Good luck. And that leaves the frontal cortex, and that's where reasoning, problem solving, all that stuff is. It leaves that to go to work. So the frontal cortex goes to work, sorting through memories, trying to decide. Okay, so if we're going with mama's index cards. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, this happened, this happened, this happened, exactly. this happened. So the hippocampus. Hippocampus. Hippie- <laughs> which is actually appropriate. The hippocampus who went out and took a nap when we really needed to. So the hippocampus is a total stoner and wants to go take a nap. The, it went to the frontal lobe and it said, here, 
Here's some stuff. Here's some index cards of things that happened throughout the day. Sort this into those filing cabinets. And then uh-huh. it left. So during the REM stage is when the frontal lobe is sorting those things into the filing cabinets. Right. So it's basically looking at the index cards and saying, this is important, filing it, or this is not, throwing it out. Right. Right. So it goes through the memories. It tries to decide what to throw in the garbage. It tries to decide what's important. So this is also where some some theories of dreams say that it's really important because it helps us work through problems. That um, it helps us. Like when you say like, oh, just sleep on it and you'll decide. Right, right. Exactly. exactly. So that's because our frontal lobe is acting more concretely with the things we've experienced throughout the day. So it's processing it into long-term memory, but also filtering it through our reason and logic center. Mm-hmm. So we are like deciphering problems throughout our sleep. And deciding what, what makes sense. I know one of the things I read was it's kind of like when a computer cleans up. Right. You know, when you push the button that makes yeah. you clean up the clutter. So your mind cleans up the clutter, right. like, what don't I need? If you've ever worked in IT, you know that turn it off and on again is a legitimate <laughs> tactic for fixing IT things. Mm-hmm. Our brains are the same way. That if we allow time to reset, it really does help us with our memory. It helps us with our problem solving. It helps us with our creative endeavors. It helps us with all of that because of the functions of the brain that are prevalent throughout our sleep. Got it. Okay, so we are focusing. I'm with you, and okay, I'm with you. You got it. So we need both types to consolidate memories, and that basically means that the quality of our sleep is more important than the quantity of our sleep. So if you get 15 hours of sleep, it's not necessarily better than the people who are getting seven or eight hours but are getting more REM sleep. Right. So we need to balance the non-REM and the REM to get the correct balance of putting things from short-term into long-term memory. Right. Right. I'm just going to keep saying right. Because you keep saying right, because that <laughs> sounds like you know what I'm talking about. Because I'm like, right. <laughs> sure. So the content of dreams, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that the content of dreams is always familiar. So the things we see in dreams, we're never going to make something up entirely out of nothing. That's not how dreams work. Dreams work from pulling things out of our memory. So if we see a face, even if like, like you've had a dream where you're walking down a crowded street, mm-hmm. every face that you see in the street is made up of people you've seen or people oh you recognize. Yeah, That's freaking deep. Mm-hmm. I know. It's weird, right? But our brains during the sleep cycle specifically cannot create things like that. We have to pull from things that we already know. So we have to pull from things that we've seen before for people or objects or things that are in the dream mm-hmm. that's so deep it's if you think about that that's amazing yeah because there are times when you wake up and you're like ah oh, how did i even come up with that right but it means the answer that is you didn't you un- at some point in time it came into your brain right but there's so much that comes into our brain every day that we're not even really but cognizant right of. and i did read that we can create things that have not existed before but they're created out of parts combination of before yeah that makes sense yeah yeah so that's that so we have the building blocks exactly Mm -hmm. and we combine different parts of things or people that we have seen before and create things that may not necessarily be too familiar because we're just 
smashing things together. Smashing. Exactly. Okay. okay. Let's talk about some fun stuff. Good, because this was getting really deep. Too much, right? Me. Too much. <laughs> so I would like to talk about nightmares, lucid dreaming, and night terrors. <laughs> because that's what I think of when I say fun. <laughs> I'm standing up because this is intense. <laughs> She's leaving. She's leaving the podcast. <laughs> because honestly, I have dealt with nightmares, like like serious nightmares since I was a little kid. Really? Yeah, serious nightmares. Okay, because in, in my research, nightmares are not the same as bad dreams. What? Yes. Oh my goodness, I'm sitting back oh, down. Oh, she's sitting back down. What's the serious. difference? Bad dreams, I saw were just dreams that are bad. <laughs> okay. Nightmares are dreams that are bad enough to like wake us up out of sleep. Okay, that's what I do. You do? Oh yeah. What kind of dreams do you have that are nightmares? I often I often okay, this goes back into that element that we've already talked about in the, in the previous episode about spirituality and dreams. Mm-hmm. I often dream about uh, like demons yeah. it's not even specifically like ghosts or scary like people who are going to kill you it's very specific like demons and the devil mm-hmm. that's my nightmares and they wake you up oh yeah when i was a kid they would wake me up to the point where i would not be able to ever you know go back to sleep unless mom would come in and comfort me and i mean that went on well into my young teenage years what do you do now um, now I get up and walk around and pray because I, because I, and I do still sometimes wake up to the point where I cannot go back to sleep. So I have to walk around and pray. Yikes. That's what I do. Yikes. So does that mean that I'm, I'm a wacky? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a crazy, crazy no. pants? No. no. I think what does that, that mean? nightmares are very common. They're not actually structurally different from dreams but they they cause our sleep to be different mm-hmm. in that they do wake us up so the results of nightmaring mm-hmm. are very similar to someone with anxiety insomnia based similar to someone with insomnia and the causes can be stress based can be anxiety based can be even like sleeping in an uncomfortable position and yeah. that goes back to our physiology affecting mm-hmm. how our brains interpret and and put those physiological symptoms into dreams right so we talked about that earlier that sometimes what our body is going through our yeah. brain tries to put into why is this happening yeah tries to put pictures with it yes mm-hmm. so that includes sleeping comfortable position uh having a fever is a really common one in any they're called parasomnias, so like so like sleep disorders, basically. Mm-hmm. Having a fever is a very common cause of almost all of those. Eating before sleep can even cause nightmares because of the act of eating before sleep causes increased metabolism and increased brain activity. Because right. apparently we use our brains to digest, <laughs> which seems like an oversight. <laughs> But yes, we use our brains to digest. So so eating before sleep causes our brains to have different activity than we would otherwise have. So it causes things like nightmares. Mm-hmm. So people used to think of not breathing as being the cause of nightmares. So that would basically be translated to apnea, sleep apnea. Right, right. But there was a study that showed that 
non-apnea patients have more nightmares than people with apnea. However, there was another study that said people with asthma have more nightmares than people without asthma. Hmm. So who knows? Again, we're it back to It could be anything. <laughs> it's back to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? I don't know. We'll just do another study. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, we talked about this uh, before a little bit. Lucid dreaming? Mm-hmm. Do you know much about lucid dreaming? I know that that's one of the things that I can sometimes do. Like when I've been having a dream and I kind of wake up, but mm-hmm. not all the way wake up. Right. I can think, I don't want it to happen. Or even while I'm still asleep, if the dream is going badly, right. I can consciously think, this dream is going badly. I mean, I know I'm in a dream. Yeah. But like I can direct the dream to like, okay, now I know the lines to the show. Like we talked about earlier, not right. knowing the lines to a show. Right. Okay, well, now I know the lines of the show. So now I'm going to perform magnificently. So you And do I that, can direct it. You do that that you can influence them? I do. That's interesting. I'm old. I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that <laughs> it? Is that why? I don't know. I think that we all dream differently. Yeah, I think so And too. I think that 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 I am one of those people who has very vivid dreams. And yeah. so whether they're bad, which sometimes they are, yeah. very scary bad, where I wake up and I can't go back to sleep for many hours. But at the same time, I have dreams sometimes that are wonderful and intriguing. And I can like go into the dream and say, okay, now I want to do this and I want this to happen. That's pretty cool. It's freaky, That's isn't cool. It? I know. Yeah. But I think it goes back to what you said about the journaling and how you, when you journal your dreams, you can have more understanding of what your dreams are about. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I think it's related. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. I've I've dream journaled and I've tried conscious awareness of my mm-hmm. dreams. Like I've tried to be really, really mindful of what my dreams are, like what's going on in them mm-hmm. and and everything like that. But I. I have never gotten to the... Okay, let me back up. Lucid dreaming. Tell, yeah, give us a definition of lucid yeah. dreaming. Lucid dreaming is when you have an awareness of the fact that you're dreaming. You may be able to control your dreams, but that's not a necessary factor of lucid dreaming. So lucid dreaming just means that you know that you're dreaming. Mm-hmm. That's all it means. So yes, in that, I have had lucid dreams. But mine has never gotten to the point where I feel like I can control it. Mm-hmm. Except that sometimes when I wake up, I can I can say, I don't want that dream to be done. And I go yeah. back and I will go back into the dream. I have done that a few times. Mm-hmm. Not often, but I have been able to do that. So mm-hmm. I've been able to control. In that sense, yes, I have been able to control what I'm dreaming. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is a lucid dream. But I have had dreams just generally where I say to myself, I know I'm dreaming. I'm just going to let this play out, I guess. Like I just, I'm just here now, but I know this is a dream. I've had the same experience in dreams where I'm in danger. Oh, And I know that I'm going to be hurt. But it's like I say to myself, I know this is just a dream. It's not real. Right. Because I've I've heard things about how if you die in your dream, you're going to really die. Yeah, that's uh, that's not how it happens. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, it's, it's not even like if you die in your dream, you'll wake up. That's a common myth. That's mm-hmm. not true either. Yeah. As I was researching this, my friend Michelle, who is at this point a friend of the show. Hi, Michelle. She's like our... 
what is she? Well, we need to give her a name oh. because she's like mentioned in every episode. I was going to say, she she really is a friend of the show. She's kind of like our little mascot. I, I told her I'd say hello to you and that she's your new child because we're, we're sort of sisters at this I'm point. I'm adopting you. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that, Michelle? It's, you are officially adopted, It's a verbal Michelle. contract now. <laughs> You've been adopted in the show. So Michelle, friend of the show, she was talking about how she kind of overcame a recurring dream because of lucid dreaming that she felt like she was able to control it and she felt like she was able to manipulate it enough that wow. she did not have it later that's that's very powerful right it's it's really cool that we can use lucid dreaming to that point that we are able to use it to our advantage instead of it just being a cool thing that's happening which Cool enough being a cool thing that's happening, but being able to use it to where it alleviates some of our anxiety is very important, and that's a a cool factor that we can use dreaming for. So lucid dreaming starts in non-REM, but it Mm. could move into REM. Mm. Researchers think that it happens only in REM and is actually like a micro-awakening or even that we're fully awake during it. So like we're fully awake but the dream is still happening. And so since we're awake, we're able to be like, hey, that's a dream. Hey, I know. Hey, I know that's a dream. <laughs> oh, geez. Is that how you sound? So some people think it's like that we're actually awake. But it is suggested, just like friend of the show Michelle said, that it could be used as a treatment for recurring nightmares or as a way to work on creative problems. So... Basically, that's what the brain's doing automatically, that the brain is is using the frontal lobe to work through those problems. But then if we're lucid dreaming, we can be like, hey, bring it, bring it here, bring it here. Work on this specific problem mm-hmm. instead of just working on all the problems we've experienced throughout the day. Okay. So that's what I have on lucid dreaming. What else did I say? Night terrors? Night terrors. Oh, man. Night terrors. Night terrors happen in non-REM sleep. Like I said, that's when... So during REM sleep, our... This is a struggle because we're already uh, way far in to the recording of this episode. I wanted to talk about things like sleepwalking and sleep paralysis, but those aren't necessarily dreams, so I'm probably not going to talk about them. But during sleep paralysis, that's during the REM stage. So during REM stage, our bodies are paralyzed basically so we can't act out what we're doing in a dream but during night terrors that's happening before we're in that stage so we are able to kind of flail around we're able to react and that's happening during our deep sleep stage during our delta wave stage Mm -hmm. usually starts in kids like three to twelve which is horrifying. Hmm. It stops in adolescence, though, generally, for when it starts in kids. But it can happen in adults. It can happen when you're, like, 20 to 30. It's usually 1% to 6% of kids and less than 1% of adults. So it's very, very rare, very uncommon. But it usually involves panic, fear, screaming. Kids that do this seem like they're awake. They seem like they're experiencing something that's actually happening in their environment. But they're inconsolable. Like, you can't wake them up. They don't respond to things that you're doing. They act like they're fighting a threat. And especially if they are awoken during this stage, again, their body's not paralyzed. They're able to just, like, lash out at you. They're able to whack at you. So 
So if someone you love is experiencing night terrors, just be aware that they're not going to be aware of what's going on around them. You're not going to be able to console them while they're in the night terror, and they might not be responsive to you if you're trying to wake them up. And if you do wake them up, they still might act like you're a threat. So if you if you love someone that's experiencing night terrors, I'm sorry. They sound really terrible, but... Is it correlated to, to trauma or to anxiety that's happening at the time? That's interesting. It's sort of caused... I mean, to me, everything depends, is caused right? by stress. Like yeah, all the sleep yeah. things are caused by stress. Mm-hmm. Usually it's uh, hereditary, actually, that there's a high mm-hmm. prevalence of kids who whose parents have experienced that, that they experience it. It's also related to sleep deprivation. Again, fever, asthma, some medicine. So things that are causing physiological changes in your body are causing this as well. It's also closely linked to sleepwalking and frontal lobe epilepsy. Isn't that a bummer? That's awful. I know. Okay, so those are some of the general things that happen uh, when you're asleep, some things that are related to dreams. Again, I'm not going to go into sleepwalking and sleep paralysis because they're not specifically related to dreams. They're just related to sleep, which to me is a very different thing. Right. Okay. So let's talk about some of the most common dreams. Do you want to? Okay. What What do you think are some of the most common? Um, Like falling Falling is, yes, kind of falling and flying are two at the top. Being naked, yeah, or being vulnerable somehow. Yeah, specifically, I found naked at school. So, Um, like you said, falling, flying. Okay, most common. What else? Your teeth falling out. Oh, I have that dream all the time. Do you? Yes, I do because I grind my teeth. Is what I was told. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's what that's what I think that again this goes back to friend of the show Michelle talking about how I can't remember if she said falling or flying is related to a physiological sensation of like not being on the bed or like your body not being able to register that you're on the bed mm-hmm. so it leads to a sensation of not being on the ground back when I was in radio I did an interview with an author who talked about She believed in the idea that we've already talked about that our spirits, so to speak, leave our bodies when we sleep. And her idea... Wow, she's ancient Greek with it. When she believed is that when we sleep, we like take off from our bodies. And so that feeling that we've all had where you first fall asleep and then you like jump because it's like you fall. It's called a hypnagog jerk. Right. She said that was like failure to launch, basically. <laughs> that you don't. Oh, you, no. You, try you to, couldn't fly. Right. You try to take off on oh, your body. Oh, no. That's so sad. But you don't make it. Oh, so no. You fall. I have that a lot. Do you have that a lot? The hypnagogic. Where yeah. like when you first. It's it's literally. So the hypnagogic jerk is the technical term for it. It's when you're about to fall asleep and your body like jerk. I mean, it's it's jerk. Right. Like you my, fall off a step. My usually my legs. Like I do like a scissoring kind of thing with my legs. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my husband is very jerky. Jerky when he sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that, and and I do think that that's often associated with fall. I've had dreams where like it's a very light dream. It's when I'm in light sleep, but like I when I when I jerk, I like dream like I'm falling off something or like I'm doing falling down a step. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think that's related to that. Okay. So a lot of things. I I said this to mom. I, I don't know if it's when we were recording. But I, uh, I said that the, when you look up common dreams and their interpretations, what I was looking for for a long time was 
common dreams and their possible physiological causes, Mm -hmm. all I could find was like interpretations of dreams. And they're all so (laughs) either general or opposite or I don't know. Because falling and flying both had kind of, well, it could either be that you have a loss of control or that you're feeling very free (laughs) and very open and that everything is fine and that you're falling into place or flying This is exactly away. what we talked about before, that it's like there's total opposites yeah, and the yeah, same it's interpretation. Like you could do A or B and right. they're not the right. same at all. So either one's right. So <laughs> I'm right either Everybody way. Everybody gets a ribbon. Yes, everything every, is every right. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the teeth thing falling out, I often read was about like confidence or vanity, like your self-image, right. that it was closely linked to that. But uh, if you go the other direction, if you physically grind your teeth. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. The like if you're feeling like your teeth are sensitive, right. that if you're grinding it and right. yeah, exactly. So it's not necessarily that it's about confidence. It's about that your body's like, hey, my teeth are going to grind into yes. fine powder. You're yes, I don't like this teeth. at all. Exactly. So there's uh, being naked, specifically at school, being naked at school is one listed as hmm. one of the most common ones. So that's okay. about vulnerability, mm-hmm. which seems pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, makes sense. Test taking about, again, confidence, self-worth is the most common cited. Mm-hmm. Being chased. Oh, yeah. This is cited as being pursued or putting off something that's very important Mm. dealing with something that's very important you know it's there you know it's just behind the corner you can't run away from it so that's where the being chased comes from but there's that idea of being chased and not being able to run you know like that Mm. i gotta get away but i it's like i can't get my legs to work right i don't know if i've ever had a dream about being chased i've had dreams like that i have to get away not necessarily being chased but the idea of i gotta get out of here and i can't get my legs to work interesting so yeah it's some anxiety stuff Mm. partner cheating is a big big oh yeah 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 and I've had that too. And I have I have a very high level of trust in my partner. That and then you wake up and you me. feel angry at your partner, even though you, you know they're told. I do. I don't. I'm like pissed off. No. I've oh never, God, I do. I've never felt that. I've never. And I've had my partner be very angry at me I've been upset. because of a dream that he. Had. I've been I've been hurt. Ah. Uh-huh. I've never been like angry. Hmm. I mean, I'm hurt that my subconscious would do that to me, basically. <laughs> like, excuse me. Embrace the anger, How baby. How dare you? But it's mainly suggested as being a form of suggestion that we watch media where people are cheating, that right. we, I mean, to me, it could be that not necessarily suspicion, but an idea that it could happen in real life. Sure. So just being aware that that could happen, that that's in our subconscious somewhere, that that shows up in our dreams. And again, flying. Uh, have you ever dreamed that you're flying? I don't know. Not really. I've, I've never had a dream that I'm flying. No, not really. The closest I've come <laughs> is a dream where I was riding a giant crocodile <laughs> or alligator. I don't know the difference. I think, though, that it's important that we say that when we say, no, I've never dreamed about flying, it means I don't, I don't remember, remember it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, there could be many, 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 many dreams that we've right. dreamed that we just like don't just remember. Like just the permutation of dreams right. that we have. Right. 
I had a dream that I was we were on flying a, an alligator. No, I was <laughs> riding a giant oh, sorry. alligator. And he couldn't fly. He was like a Superman situation. He couldn't fly, but he could take tall buildings in a single <laughs> bound. But instead of buildings, it was oceans. So he could jump across oceans. Wow. So I was riding a giant alligator and we jumped over to Europe. <laughs> and we, we had a smashing time. <laughs> So I, I I haven't had a dream that I'm flying, and especially I feel like that would be a very cool lucid dream if you have a lot of flying dreams and you figure out a way to be aware enough of your dreams that you can control that. Sure, I feel like that would be very cool, but I've or never done we either of those things, so I don't know. You're young. I'm trying you have time, time to figure it out. <laughs> do you want to do some more dream interpretation from our thousand one dreams? I think do, we're uh, winding up. Do we do have, have time? Do you have more to talk about? Uh, no, I think we're done. I think we're done. I think we're done. I mean, let's finish I think, this off. I think we could sum up by that thing that we always go back to, which is that we're all different. Right. And so I, I really like the idea that Anna brought up earlier about dream journaling and that, you know, if you're in a place in your life where you're kind of trying to figure out things or and or if you feel like you're having more dreams than usual, that dream journaling is a, is a really good or way. Or if you have a recurrent dream that keeps bothering you, it's worth looking at. Exactly. If you have a something that, that weighs heavily on you. Yeah. That, again, there have been many dream theories that basically say like, I mean, the book we're looking at now is basically saying like, if you have X, it equals Y all the time. But mm-hmm. that's kind of bogus because we dream about common symbols and common objects, but that doesn't mean it means the same for each of us. Right. One of the dreams I have a lot is about my grandmother's basement, hmm. which I live in my grandmother's house now. Okay. And you grew up in my grandmother's house, Anna Marie. So I'm curious why you call it your grandmother's basement and not your basement. Because in my dreams, it is the basement that it looked like when she lived there, which looks different now that I live there. But it says, in this book, it says, if you have a dream about basements... The basement symbolizes the unconscious where we go to explore urges and impulses that are trying to work their way into our consciousness. Um, so it's it's kind of like we have things that are there that we don't want to admit, that we want to don't want to face up to. Is attic the same, I wonder? Mm, I don't know. That would probably be different. Oh, I'll let you look, I look it up, up if you want to look up. But I think, you know, when we read these kind of books and – you might read one and you might be like, holy crap, that's really true about me. Or it might be like, ah, I don't think that makes any sense at all. It goes back to what Ann and I talk about often, which is that a huge part of therapy of counseling is knowing yourself, is mm-hmm. self-awareness. So even as we've talked about dreams in these last two episodes, the idea that all of our dreams are different. And so you might have a dream tonight that makes you connect to your spiritual side. You might have... <laughs> we- if you've listened to this and then you have a dream we incepted you that's <laughs> totally totally incepted. because if i can have lucid dreams i can totally incept you oh my god this is okay what this you book got? is the worst i know so like the dreams themselves have numbers because mm-hmm. there are a thousand and one of them but the page numbers are what are listed in the index exactly what what it's confusing book? No, why no. why would you do that the happy jumble of the attic, symbol of our higher aspirations. 
and creativity may express the dreamer's welter of spiritual or creative ideas waiting to be put into some coherent form. (laughs) Holy crap. An overly neat and tidy attic may suggest a too formal and timid approach to spiritual life. We often keep a trunk, chest, or box. Number 602. Up in the attic. Where the contents may acquire a spiritual significance, the trunk could be seen as a storage place for projects the dreamer has set aside. The dream may be a reminder to retrieve those aspirations from the trunk rather than leave them to gather dust. For long-harbored ambitions, the trunk can be a treasure trove suggesting fulfillment, or it may be resembling a coffin. Oh, yeah. That's dark. Indicating that it may be time to let go of unrealistic goals. (laughs) I love when you do the strange voices. I wouldn't have chosen to do that. That was creepy. Vegetables. Vegetables. (laughs) A common dream image presents a variety of vegetables in great profusion, suggesting our desire to enjoy the good, wholesome produce of nature. I don't think so. I've never dreamed of a vegetable in my freaking life. Vegetables. I do not enjoy vegetables. It would not show Vegetables are gross. And if I ever dream of them, it's because I'm having anxiety. However, dreams of yearning for abundance may, in fact... Reflect concerns about your lack of money or prosperity. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. What else? Give me okay. something. Hmm. What do you dream Snakes. 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 Oh. Snakes. I don't know how to spell snake. 325. S. It's fine. I figured it out. Okay, good. Ye of much education. I just don't know how to spell snake. S. N. The image of evil attributed to the snake may have its parallel in people's reluctance to accept the sometimes distasteful dream interpretations offered by Freud. Uh-huh. <laughs> we love you, Sigmund. We love you, Siggy, buddy, Siggy. The snake in the Garden of Eden and Freud in Vienna both present an idea that some find uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That sexuality is not something to feel guilty about. <laughs> what is that accent? <laughs> what the hell is that? Besides, <laughs> being an obvious phallic symbol. What? A snake? Well, duh. The snake embodies for young other dark, incomprehensible, and mysterious aspects of the self that must be confronted or you're just freaking afraid of snakes that too do you want to look for other ones no 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 i think we're done so how can we summarize this episode actually two episodes this has been a an abundant source of knowledge that we need to summarize i think we've summarized a couple of times throughout in that it's about personal symbolism right and it's about you know the way we dream because there is no comprehensive this is what dreams mean it's more individual and it's more you know we dream a certain thing that other people could be dreaming about the very same thing but we're going to take different meanings from it right what i would say about it (laughs) 
is that instead of getting all caught up in like, what does it mean? Why do we do it? We we take it as, isn't this a cool thing? Even in the sixth episode, when we talked about the effect that alcohol has on our brain, and uh-huh. we talked a lot about the parts of the brain. And in the seventh and eighth episode, we've talked about parts of the brain. I think we should look at it like, holy cow. Right. This brain thing that we have going for us is so amazing. Yeah, look at all this thing that can do. Exactly. And so sometimes we get all nervous and anxious about, oh, our brains are not working like everybody else's brains. When in reality, what we should do is embrace the wonder of Mm -hmm. our brain and the fact that we do indeed process after we've had a full day of activity When we go to sleep and our body rests, which is a natural thing for our bodies to do, that our brain... And that your body needs to do, please. Exactly. That our brain kicks in like, okay, so good. We're resting now. Let's file all the things that we've covered in the last several hours so that tomorrow morning when we wake up, we're ready for a new day. We're ready to bring in new information. I think that we should never cease to be amazed at the wonder of our brains and the wonder of what we can accomplish in our life every day. Yeah, as much as we understand, quote unquote, our brains, like we can scientifically understand what our brains can do, but I don't think we should ever be not amazed by what our brains can do. Exactly. What did I call it in the the sixth episode? Our our wrinkly sack of meat? (laughs) Yes. It's just a wrinkly sack of meat. And what can it do? We can do all these things. So it's... I, right. it, to me, it's just amazing what our brain can accomplish in the tiny, tiny space it has. Right. So as we end of this episode, um, the second of two kind of connected <laughs> on dreams. Part one, part two. Part one and part two. To just kind of uh, be excited about the wonder of our brains mm-hmm. and what they, what our brains do even when we're sleeping. It is freaking amazing. It's pretty cool. So give yourself some good sleep tonight. Yes, please let yourself sleep. It's very important for your mental health. Please let yourself sleep. Amen. Okay. That's okay. How that's how we're stopping it? That's a wrap. That's baby. a wrap. All right. Thank you so much for listening to episode eight. Episode 8, thank you so much. You can find us many places online. The main place is FreudianSipsPod.com. That is links to everywhere else you can follow us or listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all by the name FreudianSipsPod. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com or there's a contact form on the site. And if you would like what we're doing and you want to help us with hosting costs or fancy, fancy gold, gilded dream journals with a little gold ribbon on with the a gold ribbon to mark our place you can support us on patreon also by the name Ferdinand and sips pod you can also listen to us on spotify itunes stitcher google Podcasts, and soundcloud and please remember if you're listening to any place where you can leave a writing interview please do that it makes us very happy and it helps other people to find us and we're we're looking for other people to find us we want to be famous <laughs> yes <laughs> our theme music is sweeter vermouth by kevin mcleod and it sounds like this mm-hmm.